Good morning. Welcome to Casa de Confidence. This is Dan Collins, and you're in for a great show today with the incredible, hey girl, you can, Tara Garrity. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a visionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Hey, Julie, how'd you like that little spiffy music thing I did at the beginning of the show today? It's new to me. It's new to you. Yeah, I figured I'd try it out. That's nice. So, it's inspiring and upbeat, is it not? That's the name of the track, actually. Inspiring oh. upbeat. <laughs> uh huh. I know. Cool. So, how you doing on this incredible Sunday morning? It is cold out. I hope everyone's having a good time. You know what? Whether you're in a warm climate, cold climate, you know what? It's where you live, and you know what? I could complain about how frigid it is outside, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to embrace it. I'm, I'm going to complain about how frigid it is inside. <laughs> My hands are so cold. I am wearing long sleeves. I am wrapped up in a blanket because you're hot. So Julie and I are having a temperature discrepancy at this stage in our lives. <laughs> I won't tell you what stage that is for her. but <laughs> Really? I'm always hot. She's always cold. But that's what you get. That's Look. not true. Because when we're sleeping, I am always hot and you're cold. That's true. That's true. Hmm. That's true. Anyway. You should just come along to my side. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, everybody. I hope... Oh, I hope you're having a great day. That was aggressive. Wow. <laughs> you're in a peppy I, sort of mood. I think Julie's a little cranky right now. I'm not cranky. I'm mm. cold. Oh, she's cold. Mm. Oh, well. Anyhow, I, regardless of being cold, I am warmed by the thought and idea that we have an incredible individual here. But I am also, before we talk about her... You know what's warming my heart even more, too, is yesterday I had 12 entrepreneurs attend my Confident You CEO retreat, mm. and it was, well, I thought it was fantastic, but 12. they told me that it was, oh my gosh, first of all, you got to go check out my Instagram stories, because... <laughs> They warm my heart. They feel that they got so much out of it. They feel that this really helped them plan. Several of them have reached out to me again today to tell me how much they got out of it, which is exactly what I was hoping. Julie, you sound awful excited today. <laughs> <laughs> when I you got to give her the right thing to be excited for. When and you, you know what? Yesterday think was exciting. People are going to reach their dreams 
and create the type of freedom their business brings them. And they are going to be able to make an impact in the world and be able to live the life they imagine because they're implementing the right plan. And it's not my plan, it's their plan. I just sort of guide them through the process of creating the plan and give them the tools and the encouragement and the support and accountability they need to go for it. And I, I am touched. I am touched that so many people um, said that it was life-changing for them. And that's not me saying it. That's them. So I thought that was amazing. And I'm, I'm really happy because I love what they've been able to accomplish so far. The people that did the retreat in November and now the January crew. Oh, my gosh. They're on fire. Mm. Cool. So um, I have been asked and other people came out of the woodwork and said, hey, do you have more space? So I think I'm going to do another retreat. But in order to help others be able to um, take advantage of it, because a Saturday is a long commitment, right? We did right. it from 10 to 2 on a Saturday. What I'm thinking of doing is doing it as a master class in which we will do it in the evening, maybe from 6.30 to 8.30. Hmm. two nights in a row or seven to nine, two nights in a row. And then this way, you know, we break it up, but people can attend as well. So that is my plan. What are your plans? My plans? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to work tomorrow. Oh, look at you. Yeah. You're healed up? I am healed up. Good. I'm glad. Well, we'll see what happens when I get to work. Mm. Let's see if I I have the want to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all once in your, i get there it's all in your brain buddy uh you know what hey i love my job i it's, love what i do for a living it's it's uh <laughs> you know what i don't do it for a living you don't is that that's still wrong i sounded old there what i do for i love what i do during the day you know i i enjoy what i do for work i enjoy mm-hmm. You know, using my hands and my brain and my, it's, it's, it's a good time. You know, it's, it's good to enjoy what you do during the day. So I do enjoy it. Uh, Excellent. I get to break stuff for a living in case people Mm -hmm. didn't realize. So yeah, you break stuff for a living. Thank God. Well, in a, in a, in a controlled, uh, methodical environment. Very nice. Very nice. By the way. <clears throat> we are um, getting closer to our little vacay. Yes, we are. I can't wait for to lay on a beach somewhere. I know, and it's awesome that you got dog sitters and house sitters. Mm, awesome. So we'll be gone for a week, and that's we'll right. We won't have to worry wait. about stuff going on. Snow, I can't wait. I know dogs. <clears throat> so well, we awesome. have a busy week ahead of us. You know what's happening too? What? Yogi is having surgery oh, Friday. That's right. Yogi is having eye surgery. Yeah. I know, buddy. You. Oh my God. Oh. By the way, he really has appropriated Simba's little crown bed. Uh huh. It is a little too small for him. Yeah, it is. But he loves climbing on it and just curling uh-huh. himself up. You have to go to my Instagram and check out when this. And because Simba climbed up and it's like, hey, that's my bed. And Simba decided to just go inside yeah, Sim- and, and Simba, sit next to him. Simba is like six pounds. Yeah. Yogi's like 20. 27. What? 
Joey's 27 pounds. He's 27 pounds? Yeah, well, he's becoming a chunkalino. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he likes to eat everybody's food. Anyway, so Simba's in the big bed. Mm-hmm. And Yogi's, Yogi's in, in the, the tiny one. little bed. Yeah, that's how but they roll. You know what? They look content. They look content. Absolutely. Mm. And then what else is going on this week? Um, you know what else is going on this week that mm. I am... Um, I, I started to do some thinking on it, and I I need to maybe process this a little more. Mm. But um, Thursday is no Wednesday. Wednesday is going to be um, my brother's birthday, the twelfth, and my brother sadly passed away a week after his birthday last year. So that anniversary is all coming up, mm. and I can't believe that he's been gone for that long. He he was talk about another person with an amazing personality, you know. People just you can say that again. <clears throat> yeah, people came <laughs> out and uh, just what an amazing impact he made into this world. So I miss him, hmm. and, but I am so grateful for the time that we got to spend together. Um, we knew each other. If you don't know the story, you're going to have to tag me on Instagram and say, "Tell me the story." <laughs> and I'll tell you the story. I'll share the story. Um, but we met uh, 10, 11 years ago. We, we met in 2010. It's mm-hmm. when I first met my brother, and he was he was older. And we definitely took advantage of the 10 years we had together to mm-hmm. get to know each other, grow together, and love each other. And he, he has given me the gift of an amazing family that uh, is still surrounding me. So, yay. Very cool. Anyhow, but I want to tell you that, okay, well, let's address the elephant in the room. There's an elephant? In the room. So you, I have to give you props and I have to be very grateful and appreciative because I recorded the episode, that, the the interview that we're going to release today. You're going to meet my friend Tara Garrity and I'm going to tell you more about her. But when we recorded, something was sounding a little odd, but I just thought it was me and I didn't think much of it, right? And I said, Dan, mm-hmm. you should check out the audio because it just sounded different. It sounded weird. Uh, I don't know. Something was going on. <laughs> So you went and opened up the file and it was, in your words, sounding like craziness. <laughs> like there was some crazy, like, and then I listened to it and I was like, what? Because I'm it, like, I'm like, there's monsters in the background talking. And I'm like, I'm, and I'm, lis- I'm listening to it. I'm like, I hear Julie's like, oh, I'm so excited that I hear I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? And, we've and never it was an had echo. That. There was an echo when Julie would speak and it would go through the loop somewhere and come back all in reverb. And I'm like, I don't know if I can fix this. First of all, it's creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. second of all, it's it's it, it's a it's gonna be a challenge. Mm. But I, I think I got it to a, a point where um you can listen to it. And I have to say this is one of the longer interviews that we've had in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So incredible. So you know what? It's worth it to listen to this. Sound yeah. might not be perfect. You know, that's just me as the sound guy talking. But Sound is fine. But it, it just lean in, listen to this. It's such a great interview. You know why it's a great interview? Because so Tara Garrity is the founder of the Hey Girl You Can community. And the Hey Girl um, You Can is a global community of over 
38,000 women. We are hoping to get to 40,000 by the anniversary on Friday. And it was founded under two guiding principles that every interaction with a hey, hey girl you can mm-hmm. leaves a woman feeling elevated, uplifted, inspired, and believing a little bit more that she can. Mm. And that's exactly how I feel every time I interact with anybody from the Hey Girl You Can community and with Tara. She is a supporter of women. And it really is an amazing community where you can find the encouragement, friendship, and be reminded how significant and valuable you are as a woman. I love the community. We're doing a lot of things to celebrate the community this week. And I, I, Tara and I just talked about all kinds of things. We talked about her journey and, you know, here's the thing. Tara is also an author and when she, you know, she believed that she was going to make a career in theater and she's also a TEDx speaker, but she underwent a very challenging time in her life. She thought she had hit rock bottom just to find out that there was a trap door that she needed to fall through. Um, she went through a very difficult divorce. Um, she found herself in the middle of domestic violence. And then her daughter was diagnosed with high risk stage four childhood cancer. And to me, the grit, the grace, the patience, and the fortitude that it took to overcome that and then turn around and create a successful life in an environment in which she is creating these beautiful communities in which she is helping other women rise and do the best they can under whatever circumstances is amazing. So I am so proud to call Tara my friend and to get to know her a little better. And I can't wait for the summer because she's in New Jersey and she's by the beach and I need to go visit her. So, yeah. I, this is a great interview. It is. And, and it is because it was just a conversation. You know, I also shared, um, if you have gotten my book, Confident You, Simple Habits to Live the Life You Have Imagined, Tara and her club. Well, the club is mentioned in the book because they were very instrumental in creating an environment in which I can build the relationships and they encouraged me to continue to get the book done and finish it. So I am so grateful for these women and and particularly for Tara and also her Caroline, her sister-in-law, who is a co-founder of the club. And again, some of the best relationships I had built in the past year come from the women I had met in, in this club um, and some of the other women that you've gotten to know in the podcast, like Stephanie Geringer, um, no, Stephanie Derringer from the Organized Flamingo. And again, so, so great. So please listen to the interview. If you are in Clubhouse, make sure that you join the celebration because it's going to be a whole day celebration in the Hey Girl You Can Club to just be come together. And by the way, she is launching, Tara is launching the Hey Girl You Can blog. I will be a guest blogger in the blog. I am also hosting a room on habits. So make sure that you check that out. And if you're in Clubhouse too, I am doing other other rooms with Dr. Fogg on Tiny Habits. So hit me up. All right. Without further ado, Hey Girl You Can. <laughs> Tara, Tara Garrity. Garrity.
Welcome back to another episode of the Casa de Confidence podcast. I have with me one of my favorite people who I've met in the past year. She is a supporter of women in her dreams, for sure. So Tara Garrity, she is the founder of the Hey Girl You Can Club and Clubhouse. But before Clubhouse, my God, she has been leading and building communities for women for a long time. And I would love for you to introduce yourself, Tara, and welcome to Casa de Confidence. Well, I'm so excited to be here because you have been such a huge contributor to our community. And, you know, obviously, we think about who your ideal person is, right, that you want to connect with. And you kind of hope that God aligns you with those types of people. But you are that kind of person. You are somebody who is a visionary, but you also believe strongly in women. And you always have such a positive attitude. And you totally show up with that heart of Mm. how can I bless others? Well, thank you so much. And I, I think this is why we align because you are someone who is, and, and of course we, we have something in common. You have that go give spirit <laughs> that I first heard that phrase when I, I was part of Mary Kay and I, I love Mary Kay. Yeah. I still use Mary Kay. And I know that this is something that you've been in that world for a long time, but tell me more about you, your journey. You have a very compelling story. You have an amazing, inspirational journey uh, with your daughter, everything that you went through. Why don't you take us uh, down memory line and and lean and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, it's so funny because, you know, and I guess all of us, as we get older, this is probably true for all of us, we look back and we go, wow, I never thought I would end up here. My life looks nothing like I envisioned it to look like. Um, you know, I went to school from the time I was three years old. I wanted to be a ballerina. I went to school for theater. And I took dance lessons and piano and competitive dance and went to college for that. And I fell into direct sales at college once with, with Mary Kay was the company that I, I got connected to. But again, I thought it was just going to be a little brief college thing. And I was going to go on and pursue my career. And um, and I did that after college. I you know I was performing professionally. I was doing some great stuff. Um, met my daughter, my my daughter's dad, now my ex husband. I was lo- young and in love. Um, and I I stayed with direct sales because I loved the culture. Uh, I think direct sales is great for somebody who doesn't have a business background and wants to learn how to run a business. I found I actually really liked. I really liked coaching women. I really liked pouring into people. I loved helping to see other people get their dreams. So it was interesting. It's not at all what I thought I was signing up for from what I got. Um, and when I got married, you know, I got married very young. I was very, I will say I was very innocent. I grew up very innocent, very naive to the world. Uh, I was with my ex-husband for about seven, eight years. And I found myself with my daughter was not quite two years old. And I was in a horrific domestic violence divorce. Mm. And it was really interesting about that is as I was going through this divorce and I was finding out all of this stuff about my ex-husband and my world was kind of falling apart. I mean, it was crazy. I found out he had drug arrests and warrants, you know, addiction issues and all these things that I didn't know. People kept saying to me, how could you not have known? You must have known. It was almost like they didn't believe me. But I had never met anybody who was so um, good at manipulation and, and yeah, I didn't know that I had never even heard the term gaslighting. I don't talk about this often, but I literally sat in front of a therapist and I said, I think I'm going crazy. I was afraid they were going to take my daughter away from me that I was crazy. Mm. And it took, uh, it took a lot of, of therapy and years of understanding. There's, there's a book called, why does he do that into the minds of angry and controlling men? 
by Lundy Mancroft and that book saved my life in the fact that it finally it clicked that I was not the problem. I was not crazy. I was just in a crazy situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was going through this, this crazy divorce and, uh, and it was, it was tough. Um, you know, there's a lot of gifts that I think in this particular last two years, I appreciate even more than I ever have. Because there was a defining moment standing in my living room. I had been in complete fear for months. I had—I mean, this was not a perceived fear. My ex-husband graphically had told people how he was going to kill me. And so this was not an unreasonable fear. Um, I had restraining orders and safety plans and all of this. But there was a defining moment standing in my living room where I said, I have been in so much fear. I've already given up so, much money, so many years of my life to this person. I'm not going to give them one more day. And if somebody wants to kill you, the reality is there's really not that much you could do. Right. I could do every safety plan in the world. There was no guarantee. And whether I was going to live for another two weeks or 20 years, I was not going to live one more day in fear because I felt like I might as well be dead then, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't that I gave up my safety plans or anything, but it was just a conscious choice of I will not be afraid. And it's interesting, Julie, how now, you know, over a decade later, with this whole COVID in the world and and politics, everything going on, that one decision has served me so well Mm. because I have continued that through this. I will not be afraid. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what is going to happen, but I will choose today that I will not be afraid. I love that. I love that so much. And I think that that's a lesson that women don't, don't necessarily give themselves a chance to learn. I think that for myself, I wasn't afraid of, you know, my safety um, because of my ex-husband wanting to harm me, but I was afraid to leave the marriage because I thought I could never make it on my own. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. And I, and I left and I encounter that fear and living with, you know, you still feel fear, but living with the knowledge that you'll figure it out and, and you'd rather be in a place where you're you're choosing the discomfort of what's unknown as opposed to the pain of what you know is is so much better and it's it's a great place to be and I, what i've seen recently is so many people are afraid to die mm-hmm. they actually stop living yeah so true and i thought i'm not going to stop living because i'm so afraid to die so if that means i have to live less i live less now, I'm not risky. I'm not a daredevil. I'm not difficult, you know, but it is, it is a choice of what is, and this is just for me. I would rather have five full days than 10 half days. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, and so what ended up happening was in the middle of my divorce, the same year that my divorce was being finalized, my daughter was three, three and a half at the time. And she was diagnosed with stage four high risk neuroblastoma, mm-hmm. which is a profound cancer is one of the lowest cure rates and she was literally dying in the emergency room they had said i had brought her into the emergency room and they had said you know had you taken her home and not just waited an extra 24 hours she would have died in her sleep that night so wow. you know i say her mom, she's my miracle kid um and from that it was it was it was <laughs> navigating through domestic violence in a hospital with a child who had stage four cancers a circus right and uh Again, there were so many things and gifts that I got from that season. Um, and one of them was that I, I felt so out of control. And I thought, well, they're telling me she's probably going to die. If, if I had three weeks left with her or three months left with her, 
I'm just going to make sure these are as much fun as we mm-hmm. possible have. And so I really kind of used fun as my coping tool. It was the one thing I could control. Right. In a very un- and really my choice was you can sit and cry or you can laugh. Like those are your two choices, right? Mm-hmm. Which you're going to choose to do. And, you know, my daughter is now going to be 16 this spring. She's my mm. amazing miracle kid. Um, but it was interesting as we came out of that season and I started to piece my life back together. And I was a single mom with this, you know, child who had gone through cancer treatment and trying to get my life and my business. And I, I was really talking about rock bottom. Really talk about rebuilding from rock bottom. Um, people kept saying, you know, you have to share what you did. You have to share what you did. And I, I really openly, Julie, did not want to. Mm-hmm. Because when you get through a tough season, you don't really want to go back and relive it. Oh, for sure. But I kept meeting all these parents who were just in these paralyzed places of fear simply because they didn't know what to do. Right. And so I started to feel very obligated to share what I knew. And, um, you know, and part of it is I had invested years in personal development classes and, in, uh, you know, in training and learning about the mind and neuroplasticity because I had done it for my job. So I right. had this knowledge. I had this theater background of making things fun. I used to do children's theater. Like I had this, this tool belt that most people don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite that all those years were preparing me with these tool belts to, you know, <laughs> get my child cancer treatment. Um, but yeah, so I ended up writing a book. I did a TEDx talk. Um, to speak at medical conferences and with parents who have children who have life-changing medical diagnoses. Um, but really the concepts of what I talk about uh, are the same for everything. You know, when, when quarantine first hit, I had a lot of places reach out and say, hey, can you come speak about how do you make quarantine fun? Yeah. You know, and I think one of the reasons I have fared well in these last two years is because I know what it's like to have a carpet ripped out from underneath you, mm-hmm. to be sitting on the floor, to feel like, Life looks completely unrecognizable. Yeah. And how do you cope? And what's been interesting to me to observe over these last two years is that most people have they can't because this is the first time in their life that they have felt so out of control yeah. that things yeah. didn't go the way that they planned. And it's been so interesting. And I feel like if you've made it this far as a grown-up and you've never had your world turned upside down. You should be counting your blessings. Oh. The fact that you had to deal with that. Absolutely. Fully. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when, when you talked about getting your, you know, the carpet ripped from under you, I, I immediately pictured myself the night that I was laid off from my job. And I remember, wait a minute, I have really hung my hat on the identity of working for this company, working in this industry, being the per and 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 I I knew that I eventually was going to go on my own. And again, I was living a little bit of that fear of like, oh, what would that look like? Maybe it's not the right time. But I had no choice. I had no choice but to make it work and decide, well, this is the time and this is what I'm going to do. And I think that a lot of people don't realize. And I and you. Uh, uh, and this is why, you know, some people um, have been binging YouTube and TV for two years because it's easier to buffer and to tune out than to try to really look at what is going on and decide like, okay, 
what changes can I make? What are the things that I can, I have control over? And I think this is one of the biggest things that we don't look at in adversity, that we think that everything is happening to us and we're out of control, where in reality, we can't control it. You have to really be able to say, well, what is it that, you know, how can I, or, or ask the right question so that your brain begins to work on the solution or at least a path that can help you through the process. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. People like to ask themselves, like, well, how have I grown in the last two years? Mm-hmm. You know, I did a series called The Quarantine Cave, and I talked about how we kind of all had to go into this cave, but we all got to choose how we emerged. And that for some of us, exactly what you said, you're going to emerge, you know, uh, more out of shape, mm-hmm. uh, more, watch more YouTube, but nothing really. And others, you know, they took that season to really start to work out, mm-hmm. help me to start to meal prep, which they felt they never had time to do. Right. I know for me, I went back, I got two certifications that I did online. I yeah. um, became counseling yeah. practitioner certified, an RBT certified, and things that I kind of had wanted to do, mm-hmm. but just never felt like I had the time to do. And the other huge gift I got, and I, I know it was tough for a lot of people with the kids and the homeschooling, the virtual um and certainly I, my daughter's older, which was the gift. I can't imagine being, you know, a little, little ones. Um, but as a teenage mom, one of the gifts that I got is I thought, wow, you know, most people complain that their teenagers never spend any time with them. Yeah. They never see them. Yeah. Those teenage years are too busy off being with their friends and being at school and being at the clubs. And then all of a sudden they're gone for college. And I thought, well, I've just been given a whole gift. My teenager can't go anywhere. She's mm-hmm. got to be with me all the time. We went on walks together. We, we made dinner together. We spent so much time together. I don't know that you know, she chose that, but she was forced <laughs> to. And that was such a gift. So again, we can, I talk a lot about reframing. And when you, when you talked about your job loss, I think that's something that most people can relate to because that happens at some point. Mm-hmm. We can't choose the picture, right? So the picture is I have this job loss or I, I have a, a spouse who wants a divorce that I don't want to divorce, you know, or I have a child that's making choices that I wish they didn't make. Like I, I can't choose the picture. I can choose the frame. Yeah. I can choose how I want to view and see this picture. Um, am I going to view it with a silver lining around it? Mm-hmm. Am I going to choose to view it as like a disgusting, gross, crumpled, like a victim? Uh, for me, my go-to is fun. I put a fun, colorful, silly frame habit. Like what can I do? And this happened just even these last two holidays. So my daughter had a um, a firsthand exposure to COVID. Uh, So this is actually funny. My daughter gets her first boyfriend, has her first kiss. And the next day he and his entire family have COVID. So (laughs) now we say, what did my daughter, um, what had it, how did my daughter ruin Thanksgiving in 2021 with her first kiss? So so we just, we, we laughed about it. The whole family right. laughed about it. We made sure everybody knew. Thanks, kiddo. You, you know, your first kids is what we're Thanksgiving. So she and I could go. Mm-hmm. And it was the first real family holiday where my mom and my sister and everybody was getting together after, you know, in the last yeah. like 18 months. And so we were, I was very disappointed. Um, my brother was flying in. I was looking forward to seeing him. And literally Wednesday night, I'm at the grocery store, pushing around my car, being like, great. I got to buy a potato and some cranberry sauce. You know, it's just mm-hmm. going to be the three of us. Um, it was me, my daughter, my boyfriend. And, and it was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. However, the perspective, and I said to her, I said, you know, and this didn't work out the way that we thought. And that's a bummer. But now for the rest of our lives, we're going to laugh about that. Your first kiss was, the, you know, yeah. Thanksgiving. I said, and, um, and she did end up having COVID and I didn't have COVID and we were okay. And, and her, 
family's friends, they were okay. And I said, you know, 10 years ago, we spent Thanksgiving in, in a college yeah. before. Yeah, we had just, it was three days after she had been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. So this doesn't feel that bad. No, not and at I all. You need to put it in a perspective of, it's not the Thanksgiving I anticipated, but yeah. we'll make it work. And we had the same thing. We had a whole New Year's thing planned. There was just 10 of us and my family and we had dinner reservations. And by the time New Year's rolled around with COVID, we were down to four people. Mm-hmm. And we were like, all right, well, not, again, not what we planned. But you know what? We're going to make it fun. We still went out to dinner. We did s'mores in the backyard. We we did what we could with yep. the situation. Yeah. And, um, I have a, a friend who was saying that it, they had found out that they were they had had a COVID exposure and um, they were going to have to cancel Thanksgiving. And the daughters upstairs screaming and crying. And the mother's all angry. And you know how could this exposure happen? And I thought, my my gosh, how often do we talk about? how we want our children to grow up and the lessons we want them to learn. And these last two years have given us example after example of opportunities where we can model for our children Mm. how we want them to cope in life. Yeah, that's so true. And and I think that people don't realize that kids are watching. You know, the one thing Uh that blew me away when we went into lockdown, my, I have an eight-year-old niece. She was seven at the time. And um, she, we, we were talking on the phone and we, we FaceTime a lot. And I, and, and I'm social, I, I am certified in social emotional learning facilitator. And I used to do a lot of trainings yeah. for school districts and, 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 you know, create a lot of courses for them. I'm so, not surprised at that. Based on, I, I, I get to know you. Yeah. So I, I, um, I started to just ask her and I said, so, you know, what, what is it like to be home? And just trying to see what she was thinking and feeling. And she's talking to me and she's like, well, you know, we're home because of the virus. And I said, oh yeah, we are home because of the virus. How, how do you feel about that? She's like, well, it's great because I get to, right? And she went on to describe the things that she was getting to do. And, and you know, here's the thing where we, when it comes to children, she knew that we had a pandemic, we had a virus, but it's important to be able to address things with children and with young people because it's just like with adults, we can't just bottle it in or pretend it's not happening because that doesn't allow us to reframe if we're not really looking and being curious about what is going on in our brains and what we're thinking. And I think that that's, that's so key that what you talked about, because we all have an opportunity to decide how we're going to look at the situation. My husband had COVID over New Year's and I joke that that's my favorite holiday. And I thought, and then the people in our pod, there's another couple who is our pod he had COVID too. So the husbands were together and this is how they all got sick. And then I thought I could sit down and I could mope around that I'm, you know, and that I'm hanging out with the dogs. But I thought this is a great opportunity. How many New Year's Eves have I ever spent at home looking at the tree with some beautiful music in the background? I had, actually I was in Clubhouse and I don't even know who this DJ guy is, but he was playing the most beautiful piano music and it was just so i didn't even i wasn't i was having tea for that matter didn't even toast but i just thought what a most peaceful more how many times will have i ever like really 
focus on where was I, where am I going? What do I want to create for the new year? And feeling the gratitude that although my husband was upstairs sick, I had a husband who I love. I had a home that I appreciate. I'm filled with community. I have clients who I adore and I'm so proud of. And sometimes we need to just really reframe and really see all of the things that we do have instead of what we don't. Well, yeah, we think about how many people spend New Year's by themselves because they don't have a spouse yeah. or they don't have people in their lives where they are alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think one of the, the two powerful things that you said that I think is a gift to everyone sharing is, is you asked her, how do you feel? You can ask her, what are you doing? Or how are you coming? But how do you feel? Because sometimes we do have to acknowledge, I feel really disappointed. Mm-hmm. I feel really, I feel afraid. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I, I, there are times I feel afraid. Yeah. I choose. Yeah. To say, I feel this way. I'm not going to behave this way. Right. I'm not going to behave right. that way. I'm going to make right. it right. So it's okay to acknowledge I feel frustrated, I feel angry, I feel hurt, I feel disappointed. That, those are just feelings, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they're normal human feelings. Right. And then what will I choose to do about those feelings? Yeah. Um, how am I going to choose to? And, and so I, I really, one thing that's taken me a long time to learn is how do I, I want to respond. I want to show up and respond in life where I'm in control versus just reacting to everything that happens to me. When I was going through my divorce, I was a very reactive mother because of where I was mentally, emotionally, all of that. And so that did not serve me well. Mm. I was constantly in reaction. This person would do something and I would react. And it's taken years to understand that the only way I have power is if I choose to respond. If I stop long enough to think and say, okay, how do I want to respond to this situation? Um, and and the other thing that you touched on that I think is really key, and this was this was the number one tool that I used during that season to cope with her cancer uh, and divorce, was using the power of gratitude. Yeah, is yeah. sitting there and it's so underutilized. I think it's become so cliche, and we talk about a gratitude practice and a gratitude journal. Um, and a gratitude isn't sitting down and just saying, okay, I'm thankful for, you know, my husband, my health, and my kids. My husband, my health. It's, it's really diving, diving deep mm-hmm. and saying, what are that are happening right now today yeah. that I take for granted? Oh, a hundred percent. Tara, you know, funny you should mention that because yesterday, of course, you know, it was the first Monday of the year. And, you know, like most people, you know, I'm going through and, okay, what am I incorporating, et cetera. And I was sitting here at my desk and then all of a sudden I, my wind, I have a window in front of me and it faces west. And I typically this time of year, because, you know, we, we, we're in darkness. I tend to get really down in the dumps oh, and depressed and yeah, I really I fight it. I really fight it. And I did not make it, make it a point to go outside like I've been trying to. However, the sun was setting and I'm like, oh, that's so nice. I said, no, it's not nice. Get up. I went to the window <laughs> and, I, and I just sat there for three minutes and I watched the colors just change from these pinks and reds and oranges and it was the most amazing moment i had in my day but i really felt so grateful that i have this beautiful window that i'm able to see the sunset yeah sure it was four o'clock in the afternoon but i love that moment in time and i think that that's the gratitude that yes we can say i'm grateful for my home i'm grateful for this but it's the moments that are fleeting and finding the small things that our gift, because everything that we have is a gift for sure. 
it, it does, yeah, it's what, where can you find the significance of things that feel insignificant? You know, yeah. that, um, yeah, there's just little things, even things like um, the other day I was driving and I avoided a car accident that could have been a really bad car accident. Mm. And just even stopping and being like, wow, I'm, I'm just grateful. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, I think when we start to find those small things, it's almost like we become overwhelmed. I remember my, so I started graduate practice in the hospital. I uh, started writing down every single night the things I was grateful for mm-hmm. because from my, my personal development training, I knew, you know, have your reticular yeah. activator, face yeah. your brain, what you focus on is getting bigger. I can mm-hmm. only see my life falling apart. I'm just going to create more of that. So I'm like, okay, what's the, what's, what's a hack? I'm all about like, how about hacks? Right? I need hacks. Uh, yep. Like I can, I can, the one thing I can do that's a quick hack is I can start a gratitude practice. I'm going to write down every night the things I'm grateful for. Um, and some of the ones now, like I look, go back because I, I have them and I, I, you know, I go back to them my put in my book. Of things that I was grateful for, like some of my favorites are, I was grateful for the, one day I was grateful for the inventor of coffee. That's mm, what I was grateful for. That's a I good one. Coffee, but thank goodness for them because it's how I'm getting through my day. Yeah. Um, I had a girlfriend who messaged me and she said, I know you've been at the hospital for a while. We lived in the hospital on and off for a year. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you need anything? And I said to her, I need tweezers. My face. Like, I need tweezers. Can you please bring me tweezers and socks? That's what I needed. That's that awesome. When she brought me tweezers and socks because I don't know what was growing out of my chin, my my eyes, who knows, you know. Um, and then one is I wrote, I said, I'm just so grateful a day is only 24 hours mm-hmm. because tomorrow we can start anew. And sometimes just getting through that 24 hours was so hard. Yeah. And I remember thinking if it was one more hour, I don't think I could make it. Mm. I'm just so grateful that we only have 24 hours to have to get through. And sometimes that's okay to be grateful for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if you were there when I was talking about this. I have a friend who's just, and I adore her and she's great, but she's constantly like, you know, slay your day, slay every day. What'd you slay today? And I'm like, dude, I, I can't slay every day. <laughs> agreed, agreed. But I'm like, Tara, your daughter's alive, you're alive, you had a frozen pizza for dinner, it's all good, right? Yeah. Like, go sit on the couch and veg and watch some Netflix. Like, it's, I think, and it's okay. Right? Yeah, there's these like two, these like, either you've got to be on all the time, slay every day, or you're a sloth. <laughs> and how do you kind of find what works for you and your flow in the season of your life and not and, and here's what I would say is that wherever you fall on that is that we just don't judge ourselves mm-hmm. for it. That we just acknowledge that we're all in different places in our life, we're all in different seasons in our life. For some people, quarantine and, and COVID has not been that bad. You know, um, I am very, very blessed. I don't have anybody in my immediate circle who's passed away from COVID. Mm-hmm. Who's lost like three or four family members? Wow. There's just no way that we can make, that we can have the even put on the same pedestal of those experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I think we have to acknowledge that we everybody is going through a different circumstance. They've had different life perspectives. They have different support systems or non-support systems. They have different coping skills. And what I see is that it's only getting worse because now we have Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter and politics is that we spend so much time just judging everybody else. Yeah. 
their choices, how they cope. You know, one thing that I was really big on when we started the Hey Girl, Hey Girl, You Can community is I wanted a place where every single person felt valued, Mm -hmm. where every single person felt significant, like their voice counts. And regardless if we have different viewpoints or opinions, everybody is is valid because it's who they are and their experiences and the life that they've walked and that there's a gift in in that person's experience in life. Right. Oh, I'm so glad you brought it up. And I and and you know, you and I met through the Hey Girl You Can community. It when I joined this crazy thing clubhouse, I remember you know, the first thing that I saw, I'm like, there's a club called Hey Girl You Can. I'm in. I am in. <laughs> when did you join? How long I, have you been I, on so my my clubhouse birthday was December 31st, as a matter of fact. <laughs> So we actually joined right around the same time because I think mine was like the 23rd or something. Yeah. And I immediately. I didn't go on to get my little balloons. Oh, yeah. And and that was the thing. Like, oh, I had my I had my balloon on the 31st. So that's I, I, I spent a good portion celebrating. But it was so fun to all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I love this name. And ever since joining and, and really you were the first club I joined in Clubhouse. Wow. You, you were the first club, even though, you know, someone, someone's like, oh, don't you belong to the women in business? I'm like, no, not yet. And and it oh, wasn't until I think Christina's club was the first one I joined. Yeah. I joined women in business. Yeah. And and I thought, I guess I should. Uh, but I, I love the concept of, hey, girl, you can the positivity of the statement that, you know what, sometimes we know we can. And sometimes we need someone to tell us, hey, girl, you can. And that's what the club is about. We are coming on the one-year anniversary of the club. So I'm so excited. (laughs) It's so crazy to me when I look at what what was like this time last year, literally today, the last time last year, we didn't even have a club. Right. I mean, I, I recently posted, I don't know if you saw, I posted my Instagram stories. I had done a room. I had my old initial picture from when I first joined Clubhouse. It was like this blue teal background. Um, I, and I was doing a room by myself in no club. But somebody was talking about, you know, starting small. And I said, well, because our anniversary was January 14th. And I said, well, on January 14th, we only had two club members. Me and my sister-in-law Caroline, and that was it. Yeah, and you know, so it's amazing to me how a year later, you know, when we look at um, our goals to have, but we're at I think thirty-eight thousand five hundred or something right now. But our goals to be at forty thousand by our anniversary. Oh, we're gonna make it. We're we're gonna make it. And 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 here's the thing: the Hey Girl You Can Club is an amazing space because I I actually hosted my um my women my international women's day event under your club and it was the first time that i i i thought i want to do something big and i thought oh it's like a week away i'm like i don't care i'm gonna do it and i'm like i'm gonna do it under the hey girl you can because it was just so perfect and i have to say i have met some of the most amazing women under the club and it is such a rewarding place to come to to get cheered to get um really supported and and i have to say if it wasn't for your club i don't think i would have finished my book honestly really yes <gasps> by the way okay you tell me more about that so hold on hold on let me see um 
Okay, so that. here it is. I have to send you a. I'm going to send you a copy, but the I list the club in the acknowledgments because when oh I was going through, God. I thought, hold on. No, it is. It's so. It's um. To all the beautiful women who took the time to be interviewed for this book, without you, I would not have organized my thoughts and created a book that I hope will help countless of women. You, your stories are in leg, and the legacy we give to each other is important. Great appreciation goes to the women of the No BS group and the Hey Girl You Can Club for doing this. Oh and my gosh. I, I know that I started writing this book and I wrote a lot of it in the, in the beginning of the, of the year this time last year. I was putting hours and hours and hours and sometime in June I was like I, I started working with the editor and he came back and he said you need to change this, you need to add this and of course I was like what? And it was such a like difficult thing for me and of course I I, I was paralyzed. And my husband's like, nope, let's get going. And it was about July. And I was in deep edits and they said, you need to go talk to more women. You need to go talk to, you know, just kind of prove your concept. And I went into the Monday morning room in which you run every morning for goal setting for the week. And I went in and I talked about what I needed to do. Of course, all the love and encouragement came back. But it wasn't if it wasn't for that room where there's the accountability, support, and people cheering you on. And one of the things that I love about the room is that you you're like, hey, come back on Friday. Tell us how you did, even if you didn't hit your goal. And I've gone back some Fridays and I don't hit my goal, but I also go back and I celebrate my victories. But if it wasn't for that room and for the support system and the amazing, incredible women who I've met through you doing this room or this club, I wouldn't be able to have this in front of me. And I know that I'm not a unique story. I think that there's so many other women out there who are accomplishing things because you've created this space where they feel supported, empowered, believed on, and they can feel safe. So thank you for what you're doing. So, and you, you are a creator of communities. And, you know, I think that a lot of women um if even if they're not on clubhouse they should find a place where they can create these type of relationships well i'm going to ask you because i'm excited one of the things that we're doing and i've been saying this for six months so i finally gave myself a deadline so that we'll get done is our blog will officially launch on our one-year anniversary <laughs> finally <Yay. laughs> um, and that's been one of the things that's been in my heart is because i want you know the whole purpose of the community is to give women a platform to have their voice heard. And I've tried to figure out, okay, how can I, number one, monetize the time and the effort instead right. of coming into creating this and building this and all of that, but also in a way that aligns with really my vision and my heart for it, which is to have other people be elevated. So I'm hoping that the blog is kind of allows both of those things to happen and it promotes the women in our community. Um, but I would love for you to write a blog post oh. on the process of writing your book how the community served you for that but then also a little teaser about your book so we could promote it oh well thank you where people could buy it um i'd love to yeah one of the things i mean obviously we have a lot of different contributors but one of the things that i would most like to have featured are our posts and the stories of women who maybe at one time like I can't do this mm -hmm. 
or I don't have the resources or I'm not able, I don't know the know-how, I don't have the confidence, whatever it is, but then overcame that and found that they could yeah. and share how did they do that? You know, so I didn't know if I could write this book or this is where I step was, but this is how I, I overcame that so that I can. Because I think that what that ultimately does is when you read that and I go, wow, if Julie could do that, maybe I could do that yeah. too. And I think yeah. that inspires women. And much of what we read in today's world is it's negative. It's fear-based. It's to, I mean, it's crazy to me, even the books that I see my daughter reading in school, and this is not from a young age, everything to me seems so incredibly fear-based. Oh, for sure. We're in a state of fear and we believe that we can't. Um, Because there's even, there's even psychological studies on simply the belief of whether you can or you can't, you know, is what's going to affect you to be able to do it. And because um, we talk a lot, so we use the goal setting room on Monday. Mm-hmm. You hear me say this all the time. It's, it's goal setting for confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason being is that what research shows is that a confident person will is always has a step ahead versus a skill based person. You can have oh. skill, but if you don't have the confidence, you have it, right? That's exactly the, the premise of my book. I I I, I know that I accomplish things in my life not because I am super skill and talented. I am confident. And I've gained yep. the confidence because I'm willing to try. And when I fail, not only do I figure out like, okay, where did I go wrong? After I cry a little bit, let's be real here. But that's I, okay. that's I, how you feel, and right? I also surround myself with the people who are going to make me better. And, you know, it, it was the whole process. And so, yeah, so I'm happy to, to write that. And I think that you're, you're absolutely right. We need to get that word out. I have to look something up. So, okay. Because I'm a big word person. You've probably been in rooms. I talk about this all the time. I was the president of a Latin club in high school. That's my nerdy <laughs> fact. But I love words. For me, words are very spiritual. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, we, we're told that God spoke the world into existence and that we are made in his image. And so I believe there's energetic power behind our words and that we create through what we say. So I also get very into what, what did words originally mean? Like what were, when the word was created, what was the intent of the original word? And so confidence is very interesting because it, it comes from a Latin word that means firmly trusting, bold. Mm. All confidence is, is that you firmly trust, yeah. boldly trust that, hey, if I step out, the people, the resources, the know-how will somehow, I will find them and they will find me. Mm. It's not this conceitedness yep. that we think it, it's, it's, it's from a pie that the, the the root, like you break it all the way down, it just means to trust. Confidence I love trust. that you're saying that. You trust yourself. You're you're speaking my language, and I'll tell you why. Because my favorite scripture is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not we rely on your own understanding. understanding. And yep. and for me, I think that that is that and go confidently in the direction of your dreams are my life mottos. And every yes. time that I felt unsure, and every time that I've taken the leap into something. I go back to one or the other or both and trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just do it. Or go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Just do it. Just figure it out as you go along. And and I think that that's a concept that we sometimes don't understand enough or don't have someone, you know, saying, hey, this is how it worked for me and it can for you too. Because if I did it, you can do it too. Yeah. And that, and that belief that there's a community of people who, are willing to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. 
Yeah. You know, and if that's okay. And sometimes it's okay to rely on other people's confidence in that. I mean, even with this whole community of this club, one of my very good friends, Stephanie, she's the founder of the organized flamenco. And there have been many conversations that we've had, particularly, you know, back over the summer and stuff, um, where I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, this is costing me money, this is costing mm-hmm. me time. I don't, you know, what am I doing? And she just kept saying to me, Tara, I have watched you for years build communities in person, in networking, in your direct sales business, and you're making cancer fund. She's like, this is your gifting and just trust. If you just keep building this, this is going to be big. And then God would send these little, what I call God signs, women like you who would pop into my email, pop into my DMs, um, share in a room that they were like, this community has blessed them. This community has mm. empowered them. And I think, okay, there's something here. God's using this somehow. Something oh, for sure. And I keep going up and be obedient. I don't know what's going to happen with this. And I and I still feel that way. I'm still like, I don't know where this is going to go. Um, but I'm willing to to trust like, people like Stephanie who are saying, you know, yeah. just continue yeah. to do this. I promise this will be worth it. Um, and then when you hear, like I just did two, uh, we're doing it for the anniversary I'm interviewing the members of the who mm-hmm. wants to do the members of the members in our community who post regularly on my Instagram uh, stories. And uh, I, I don't have a huge Instagram following, but I get people who, you know, they're connected. And I'm like, hey, if I could promote you a little bit and share you with a couple of my people, this will be great. Instagram is a, a funny animal to me. It's not, it's yeah. not my jam, but I'm sorry to learn. Both of these women are, are, are talking about how much value they've gotten from the women mm. that they've connected with. And you know, and it's interesting. I've had people say, like, should I start my own club and everything? And I talk a lot about the difference between a community and an audience. An audience yeah. is where you speak and people listen. It's right. you on stage sharing your knowledge, sharing your expertise. A community is about those people in a ballroom connecting, intermingling, handing out business cards, getting to know each other, building relationships. And mm-hmm. the, as a leader of a community, I truly believe as a leader of a community, you are there to serve your community members. They are not there to serve you. I agree. And 100%. So I, I believe that one of the reasons that this community is as strong as it is, is it because it's attracted women who have a, a collaborative heart, a spirit of helping and supporting other women, and women who understand that they're responsible for themselves. There's a certain amount of, you know, being a grown up and saying I'm responsible for my myself, I'm not a victim. Or if they feel like they're a victim, saying I I want to get out of that. How can I become less of a victim in my life? Right? They have a desire to have that change, um, but also because they're very wanting to find those relationships, and they have that. You know, one of the things we say and everything is that we're the most positive place on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Our rooms feel elevated and inspired and uplifting. And because the women like you who are hosting rooms value that, you're creating these beautiful spaces for mm. people. Because obviously, I, I only do two to three rooms a week at this point. <laughs> I used to do a lot. Now I just do, you know, two or three. Um, but it's the women like you who show up every week and serve the women of these communities and these connections. And my prayer is that it benefits you as much as you benefit for the other people. Do you know what I mean? That oh, it is a real yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, I, I think that I get so much out of the rooms, you know, and, and, and 
I get so much out of the relationships. You know, you mentioned Stephanie. Stephanie is someone who I adore. I've met her through the community. We've collaborated. We continue to talk about, you know, how can we collaborate further? So for me, those relationships are important because yes, I'm coming to serve, yes, but I'm also getting served. I'm also being being uh, surrounded by people who um, may need me as well, as long as much as I need them. And that's what a community is yeah. about. It's, it's a place where we kind of link arms. And sometimes we don't see eye to eye on some things. But what's most important is that we're there to create a safe space to yeah. um, to say, hey, when you and, and that's, you know, like yesterday, we re, we re- resurrected the Comod matchmaking room. Uh, I'm so. so excited about this. Oh, my yeah. God. Sorry, you have to tell everybody about this because I, again, because I believe Collaboration is powerful. And one of the things that I hear from people is they can, their rooms can't get traction. But it's like they're doing that for themselves or with one other person. I'm like, that's why you don't have any traction. So tell everybody about this. I'm so excited yeah. you're going to be. So it, it is it is one of my favorite rooms and and you know for wh- whatever reason or whatnot we stopped doing it on Mondays there I know that there's a couple others that are going on but it is a space where I actually invited four other women to join me in Rosie so that we have a great amount of people who, so that you know we I can go in and, and go out and 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 you know we're not all feeling the pressure but it is a space where women can come in from the club and say, hey, I am gonna dip my toe in the water, I or I wanna hold a room, or I wanna connect with someone in this space, or I'm looking for my match in, you know, maybe someone that I can work with or connect with and knows more about this than I do. This is the space. I think that also Clubhouse can be very intimidating. We see these rooms yeah. where there's like 5,000 people talking and all these moderators and you're just like, well, and I think that this is, I heard someone say this, like, oh, you know, I, I saw that you were on that stage. I said, I got pulled up and, and I kind of thought had something to share, but it's not because I'm that great. But we, we live in a society where we start to compare and despair. And I wanted to create and, and reopen right. the space where women knew that you don't have to have 10,000 followers, right? to have something in you that is valuable for somebody else. And I want to create the space where you can come say, hey, I know this, or I have this, or I wanna share this, or I wanna talk about this in a room. Who is out there who you know would like to join me or can t- point me in the right direction and f- start to build their confidence and believe that they can do it. They can't be um, a, a value to other people as well, even if they're just connecting for a room that's going to have five people in it, which yeah. is important. And so yesterday's room was great. We um, we didn't have a lot of people, which is fine. And one Sometimes of the things that, yeah, the conversation was very valuable because what we talked about is who do we want to connect with? Who do we, you know, maybe this is the right person that I'm meeting that I'm looking to connect to host a room in Clubhouse. But we also talked about our goals and we're going to do the the other room tomorrow on goal setting. And we're, I'm, we're going to start with a meditation and a little prayer and talk about, okay, this is where we are, really ground us in that moment. We'll talk about what we want to accomplish. And the other thing that I did yesterday that I'll do again tomorrow's room is talk about how to break down that goal, right? Because it's not just about, and I and, yeah. and I didn't teach, but I talked about 
how does it work for me, right? I have five very audacious goals. I've broken them down into 90-day goals, into a monthly goal. And what are the daily steps that I have to take? Because I think that this is where people really get really hung up. And a month from now, they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I didn't achieve my goal. I feel terrible. I gave up again. Oh, wah, wah, right? But the reality is that you also need that accountability. So that room for Wednesday where we talk about goals, I want to create the space to where people check in. And people check it on a monthly basis and say, this is where I'm at, or this is where I got stuck. And how is it that I can break that monthly goal into the weekly one? Because yeah. for many, you know, in working with women entrepreneurs, that's what I hear all the time. I get up, I sit at my desk, and then I start working on something. I end up doing something on Canva, but I never worked on uh, something that pays me. Right. Or I never got a client or I never. And, and I think that you need the tangible things that are going to get you traction. You know, we call this. So I call this with uh, my business. We call IPAs. We call oh, yeah. Income producing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. that's that's, I don't know if that's a, a generic thing. But yeah, it's like, did you work on stuff that was income producing? Right. And we talk a lot. You know, this on the Monday room. But I talk a lot about how most people. I actually just speaking on a summit on this. And I was surprised how many people like in the chat were like, oh, my gosh, I'm like. So I guess, you know, when you think something, when you know something, you assume everybody else knows it. So this right. is shocking to me that everybody else does not have this information because we've been talking about this all year and, and hey, go, you can, is that you cannot have goals that are dependent on other people's yeses and no's. Yes. Yeah. People come in and now I think since we've been running our room so long, we don't get this anymore, but we had a lot of people in the beginning that the goal was, you know, I'm going to sell a thousand dollars. I'm going to sign five new clients. Mm -hmm. I'm going to you know, sell X amount of books. These are all goals yeah. that are totally dependent on if somebody else says yes or no, and you cannot control <clears> that. <throat> so now your confidence and your ability to hit your goal is dependent on all of these other people. Now those can be targets. Right. Those can be intentions. Mm -hmm. That can be the intention is to sell a thousand dollars. But the goal is because we're wired to win, right? Mm -hmm. We're wired to win. We're not wired to work. The goal has to be that you can win regardless of what everybody else has done. Oh, for sure. Because you've oh, done your job. So, yes. So exactly what you're talking about is like, where can you win every day? What can you do every day where you have a win that inches you closer to your long-term, right. you know, what you want? Yeah. One of but the things yeah, that I, I talk to my clients about, and, I, and I'm so big on this, is creating um, your, your key performance indicators or your key numbers for the week. And I make them create their key numbers for the week. And, and very similarly, you know, yes, you want to, maybe it would be nice to make this income, but that's not going to happen because people, you know, you have to have a goal of 10 people buying or 10 people yeah. signing up for your thing. It should be a goal that you are going to maybe um, speak to a hundred people and exactly. the numbers are going to work to to your to your advantage if you're speaking to if you want to you know if it's going to take you this much to make that income goal then you're going to need to do this and your goal should be how many people are you talking to or how many speaking engagements are you getting booked on or how many people you get in front of to share you know what you're doing in in that is it's a more tangible thing most people don't track so they don't know. Oh, tracking say, is goal the magic. Of, I want to sell a thousand dollars. And you're like, all right, well, how many people do you need to be mm -hmm. in front of? I don't know. They, 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 they don't know. And, yeah. And so you can't, and that's why I think entrepreneurs struggle is because they have kind of these, I'll throw some money against the wall and hope it sticks. And unfortunately that doesn't pay your electric bill. 
No, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And tracking is key. If you're not tracking, yeah. and that's part of, I, I, I do it. I mean, I have it here on the board. I keep track of like, how many people do I have? And, and not that it's not a vanity metric for me. Yes, I keep track of how many people follow me on social media. But I also see out of oh. those people, how many are engaging with my content? Because if people are not engaging with my content and I'm investing time into creating something that is not valuable for someone, then it's not resonating and who cares? So this is yeah. something that really, it, it's a track, it's a metric for me. But yeah, I'm big on that. I'm, I'm trying to read the sign behind you. What does it say? Fear and faith. Are powered by your focus. Oh, just so yeah, I went to a I went to a women's um, conference at my friend's church, and this woman makes all these signs. And uh, she I, that actually she, I bought it right before we went into lockdown in 2020. And wouldn't oh, wow. you know that that sign has been like um, sort of prophetic? And and I yes. remember like thinking, hmm, my faith has to be focused on you know, the things that I do and the things that I know and the things that I believe and I can't be afraid, right? Because fear and faith can't live in the same spot. And that's where most people, I think, you know, it's, I don't think that you can stop the feeling of being afraid. It's just a feeling and we can't, right. our feelings are just right. feelings, but we get to choose what we're going to do with it. And when you're not, at least for me, again, as a Christian, or as a faith, I know that when something comes up that feels like fear, that that is never coming from God. Mm -hmm. And so then I have to say, well, why am I feeling that way? I mean, there's good fear, right? Like right. a bear attacking me. I mean, that's a good fear to be afraid. It's not trying to be there. Right. But for most of us, that's not yeah. you know, what's happening. And so where is that fear coming from? And, and often, more often than not, I think for myself, is really, is that you know, fear is used by the enemy to stop us from doing mm -hmm. and having and achieving the place that God wants for us. Right. And so uh, we kind of have to go, all right, you know, and, and I, I do think that in an entrepreneurial world, but in any, if you help broker any of us, throughout our life, we always want to be growing, right? right? Like we always right. want to be getting to a next level. There's mm -hmm. never a sense of we have this idea, or I always thought like, well, all the time I just want to arrive. Right. Yeah. And and I realized as I've gotten older, wow, Tara, when you finally arrive, you're gonna be dead. Like that's where you're arriving. That's where you, know? you arrive so, is death. <laughs> so dead is when I'll arrive. So if I'm constantly growing, if I'm constantly stepping out of my comfort zone, if I'm constantly learning something new, then there's always going to be a fear attached to that because it's unknown, it's new, it's different. Right. There will never be a time where I get to a place where there's no more fear. Agreed. If I get to that place, I literally have stopped growing. I'm now no longer stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm no longer changing. Like God's going to be like, all right, well, you're done. We've used you up. Like there's nothing else to do. No, right? and, and, and agreed so, so much. And so the other have, thing. I have to be comfortable with the fact that yeah. having these feelings of fear is just part of the human experience and that it's just a sign that you're growing. That's all it is. It's a sign. If you're not afraid. You're like not doing anything fun. <laughs> and I tell people, I you know, the fun part of it is um like I remember in high school, um, our church youth group went on a one of those type hour bound type trips. And, oh yeah, yeah. And we went uh repelling and I, I was afraid, but it, it it really all of a sudden like 
that's probably one of my favorite activities to do, to go wow. lining, rappelling. And the reason being is because after going the first time, I realized like, okay, the rope passed me and it's scary, but I, I reframe that. And I tell myself, oh my God, this is so exciting. I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm a little tingly and it's butterflies in my stomach, but it's not because of the thought I'm going to die, but it's the thought, oh, I'm getting to do this. And it's how you reframe it again, talking about the reframe. But I love yeah. that acronym also. And I teach this to my clients that, that fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. And we, yeah. we tend to, you know, give our belief systems and the thoughts that we're having, like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And yet it, it really, so I, I'll give you an example. I actually talked to someone today and uh, she, she's not my client. She's a friend and she's been having some health issues. And I said, you know, maybe you ought to reevaluate your, your food or what you're doing. And um, so she decided that she was going to follow the, this program, which I think is very good, is very doable, it's very healthy. And, um, but the first thing she said is, I'm not gonna have enough food to eat. And, and I thought, well, you haven't even tried it yet. You haven't even tried it. So you can't decide that this is not going to work yeah. for you before you even start. And she was so afraid of the food or being hungry. And and I thought, but you're going to be having a lot more vegetables and food than you eat now. Like, I, I but anyhow, so, um, so yeah. So anyway, after her first day, she's like, I'm not going to do it because it's a lot of vegetables, but I really, you know, I need more, whatever it was. I don't even know. But anyway. I'm thinking like, well, your body is readjusting. And I think that sometimes that's what happens to us. Like we start something and this happens in business too, with a lot of women, we tell ourselves, oh, I don't know if I should, I can do this. I don't know if I'm good enough or I don't know. And then we try it. We don't do well. And then we give up and we go after the next shiny thing. Yep. And that's where and, and we end up. Time talking about this New Year's, yeah, right? For sure. Um, I, I say all the time, I remember very distinctly, I was in a gym. I was taking yoga class. I've been going to this gym all year. There's always tons of room, tons of space. I showed up. It was in, you know, in January. I walked into this yoga classes years ago, and there was not a spot or a mat on a floor. It was packed. And saying, I don't know if it was the instructor or another person, but I was just like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? There's no room left for us. Right. Those of us who have been coming all the time, right? And they were like, literally, don't worry, it'll be gone in six weeks. And sure enough, yeah, six weeks, we were back to normal. Back to normal. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I really think, you know, when I started my first direct sales business, well, the only direct sales business that I had my, my first business, um, one thing that I did exceedingly well, I did not do a lot of good things in the beginning. I was kind of a hot mess. But one thing that I did do well was that I gave myself one year to try it. Mm -hmm. I came in with the attitude of, I know absolutely nothing. I've never done anything like this before. There was a buyback that was good for a year. So I thought, well, I'll give myself one year to try it. And if at the end of the year, I don't like it, or it's not working, or I'm not making money, then I can return my stuff, get my money back, and kind of get out and quit. Mm -hmm. um, but because I took that attitude, I wasn't looking for instant success. Yeah. I figured it'll take me this long just to kind of figure out what's going on. Like, I have to learn this. And it's very interesting because I see people do this really they start a business or they start a goal or whatever. And I think, think about it. You cannot become a hairstylist and cut hair, which grows back mm -hmm. without a, over a thousand hours of like training and experience. You have to take a course where you have to bring a model and you have to show that you can cut right. hair. I mean, it's an intensive amount of hours.
barbers to be able to cut hair. Yeah. So I don't know why people think like, and we think like, oh, but you're just putting hair, but do you really want to go into somebody who hasn't had all that hour? Like, you don't want to be leaving looking no. funny, right? Like, you no. want to know that person has invested the time that they are skilled and they know what they're doing. And yet every other thing, that, and so we kind of know this, but then we look at businesses or direct sales businesses or whatever, and we just think, well, why should just be able to do it? And whether it's an exercise program, you know, it takes skill. It's retraining new habits. It's retraining your body. Mm-hmm. It's writing a book. You know, when I wrote my book, I, I had never written a book. Yeah. And um, yeah. I had a bunch of stuff. And I remember I have a friend and she's a publisher. And she said, well, why don't you take, I'll take a look at it. And I said to her, are you sure? Do you want to? She said, well, before you start submitting it, like, why don't I take a look at it? I was like, well, that would be great. And uh, you have to love people who love you enough to tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And she called me and she said, Tara, you have what we lovingly refer to in the industry as word vomit. This is not a book. I was like, what? She's like, Tara, there's no format. There's no nothing. She lit, but again, she loved me enough to tell me again. Took me to a Barnes and Nobles, sat me down in a Barnes and Nobles, pulled out a bunch of books and taught me about how you write a book. And I was like, oh, I've read books my whole life. I never noticed this. They all have formats. They all have things. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what I didn't know. And so I couldn't expect like, well, I'm just going to sit down, write this book and and be done. I needed to learn. I ended up learning a whole lot about editing, grammar, and all all, how you write and all of this stuff. It was, you know, a crash course. Um. But that's how I ended up having an Amazon number one new release, right? Because mm-hmm. I knew I didn't know anything about writing a book, and that's why I have to I have to learn. So it's sad when you talk about your friends with the health, because um, the reality is, is even if it's not comfortable, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, what are the alternatives? Right. The alternative is to not do it, and then to continue going down on a road where you're going to end up on medication, invalid, in a hospital, in physical therapy because your joints are giving out, right. getting a replacement. Um, I think one of the things that really pushed me to start being more consistent with my exercise is I noticed the last, I noticed two years ago, walking on the beach was getting difficult. Mm-hmm. My knees hurt. I, I have knee issues. And I was like, I don't want to get to a point where I can't walk on a beach. I love the beach. Yeah. So that means I need to exercise or go to yoga or do things to strengthen my knees. Um, I don't, I don't want to be like, well, I can never walk on the beach again, you know, and yeah. And that's exactly why I started as well. I, you know, I did the Camino de Santiago and that is one of the things that has been one of the, the most important gifts and in, in pinnacles of my life that I, when I started the Camino, the first year that I did it, I struggled. I had plantar So the Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage in Spain. It's been happening okay. since the middle ages. And what I tell wow. people is go and watch the movie by Martin Sheen um because it's called the way and martin sheen and emilio estevez are he directed the movie emilio estevez and basically it's a movie about the the pilgrimage and it's is um i'm not going to give anything away by saying this but um the pilgrimage has been going on since the middle ages and the apostle james came to spain to to share the gospel and what he did is the place where he eventually he died in his bones were sent back to to jerusalem and then somehow they were brought back to spain and they were buried in this town of santiago but nobody had knew that that's where they were and i don't know at what point somebody had a vision and said hey this is where santiago or james is buried 
And sure wow. enough, and they and we should build a church there. And sure enough, that's where the bones were. They built this beautiful cathedral. And for thousands of years, people have been doing this pilgrimage. There's multiple um, routes. The most popular route is the, the French way, which starts in the French Pyrenee Mountains. And then you walk from from you know like the route and it's from the beginning of the route in the french pyrenee mountains to santiago de compostela where you finish and then you get your little pilgrim um you get your little pilgrim certificate or your compostela saying that hey yeah you are a pilgrim um you walk about 748 kilometers and the way that you break it down is every day you're walking anywhere between 15 to 20 kilometers a day so my wife, miles is that? that's about 500 miles or so <clears throat> So you do it, it typically takes about a month to do it. I have done half of the pilgrimage um, and I've gone twice. So I went with my girlfriend, my girlfriend and I from high school, who we've done lots of different adventures with. We started the pilgrimage in Spain and we, we hiked through the Pyrenee Mountains. And what's really fun is that at night, you get to your destination for the night and you stay at these albergues or they're they're hostels but they're just for pilgrims you can't stay there unless you're a pilgrim and you show you get your pilgrim passport stamped at every point so you have to show your pilgrim passport which you get at the beginning of the of the journey and um as you're walking through you you enter into you every two or five kilometers you're entering a new village or town so it's not like you're out in the woods unless at the very beginning when you're going through the mountains but you meet people and you watch the movie you're gonna love it it's it's really fun it's on amazon it's not on netflix Are all of these people like super fit no and i will tell you one of the little known fact about the pilgrimage is that the majority of pilgrims who are doing the pilgrimage nowadays are over the age of 70. Okay, so this is this is embarrassing, and I, I feel like I should not say this on anything that's being recorded. Um, I've been, you know, trying to walk more yeah. to get some more exercise and everything. And there's a trail that's by the water by my house. I think it's three and a half miles. Mm-hmm. I've only walked the whole trail once, and the reason why is because about quarters of the way in where the, you could not turn back, right? right? It was like the car was now too far this direction too. Like it was a poor choice that I didn't turn back sooner. I literally was like, I'm going to die. I was yeah. like, please carry me out. My legs can't walk anymore. We got home. My legs hurt. I was like, how do my legs hurt from walking? Because we don't do it enough. Walk. And it was only three and a half miles. So 500 miles, I would have been dead like in the first. Well, house. you don't do it in like, one you day. You do it over the course. But that Why you know, I will say I I struggle so hard the first time around um, because I wasn't in the greatest shape. But this experience, it really is a great parallel for for life. Number one, because one, you have to be open to the idea that you're going to plan your day and it's not going to go as you want it. Number one. Number two, that, you know, what you may think is going to be an easy day, it's going to all of a sudden you're going to go through like a little bit more hiking than you expected. And I'm a city girl. Who am I kidding? Right. I'm not, I'm not like a wilderness queen. (laughs) And, but it really was the most amazing thing that what's really fun is at night, um, when you hit your destination, you typically like for 10 euros, 
you end up getting like your dinner at, at a pilgrim at most restaurants in the in the route cater to the pilgrims so you can have a four course meal with a bottle of wine and it's 10 euros but you sit down and you're meeting people from all over the world there's places where i've stayed um one night we actually stayed at a convent and the convents um most of the convents or or uh, monasteries are free they only give you own they only ask for a donation there's of course accommodations where you can stay at a hotel every night or there's accommodations where you can stay at very humble or, or guest houses and super amazing it's oh, wait now i'm just thinking this through so this is like a month-long thing yeah but you probably you have to carry everything you have so do you have like one backpack yeah so like you so you carry yes so you carry your backpack and i have to say that so the the um, people the the recommendation is that you carried about 10 percent of your body weight and so my first backpack was 19 pounds which is not 10 percent of my body weight and it was i was my friend and i were shipping stuff home ha, like the first big town we came to i'm like we're going to the post office because you know you and, and and here's the thing we tell ourselves that we need so much to live on the reality is that you don't i didn't need a bathing suit i didn't need a cover-up for the bathing suit i didn't need a camera because i had my phone just just stuff like that um and by the second time i went i have i have it down to a science but basically there is the outfit that i wear for the day there's the outfit that i change into that i typically sleep in and the outfit i will wear the next day so three outfits i wear i take five i do take fair five pairs of underwear and socks because socks you want to change but that's where do you it. wash your clothes in between every night when you get to the albergue um that's that's the pilgrim life right you arrive at the albergue typically about two three o'clock and then you do your laundry there and you wash your clothes there usually have washers in very like remote towns maybe you have to like wash it by hand but they are dry by the next day um i should i should do a room on this and and talk a little bit oh, about this so yeah. wild yeah. to me because part of me is like this is so cool i totally love the idea of meeting all of these people and drinking wine and then the other part of me is like yes, that's exactly how i felt the whole way and <laughs> oh, i like, and i can't wait now i will tell you so there's a couple things oh. that happened so um the the first time when my friend melissa and i went together when we went together um again I, I was suffering from plantar fasciitis i was not in shape i didn't even like work out or get myself together for this and i struggled a lot and i decided i wanted to come back i wanted to be in shape and the second time that i went i went with my husband so but i you can get people that deliver your packet your pack from one place to the next so you don't have to carry your pack which is one of oh. the things that i learned which is very so you nice get, you can go like fancy you can go fancy and pay five euros in addition to you know whatever but the only downside to that is that if you decide hey i want to get to this town and that's where you're going to send your pack and then you, you're like oh my god i need to stop i can't make it then your pack is somewhere else so that you have to really be a little more uh intentional and creative with planning number two um you really um yeah that would be like oh my gosh my pack doesn't show up yeah. now i'm really stuck well and then the second thing is you you can like i i one day i was hurt i could not walk anymore my feet were inflamed and i'm like okay i'm gonna take a cab and it was so funny because this day i took a cab from where i was 
with my friends and we had met a whole bunch of other people as well who by the way i'm still really good friends with and i left them in 10 minutes i was at the town where we were going to spend the night it took them over seven hours to get there because they were going over a mountain and the trail was you know pretty crazy but you know so the but yeah so and it was amazing it, it, you, so you, I will highly recommend if you haven't watched the movie and I do, course, people need to go watch the movie. Uh, but we have talked about a lot of different things. I know you've been very gracious with your time, Tara. Thank uh, you yeah, no, so okay. my, much. I have an Instagram. I have a, an Instagram, Instacart shopper trying to find my house. Oh my gosh. That's like that's why I'm looking down. That's all right. I like, need hey, to hey, actually so order from Instacart. House, I need to, I need to place Instacart my order too. Instacart there you go. Um, I, I love Instacart. They're phenomenal. Well, yeah, it's talking about, you know, people have had different experiences during COVID yeah. and during quarantine and, and, and not just people's because, you know, we have people who, who've lost everything. And then we have companies mm-hmm. like Instacart, which are probably like, hey, this is the best thing that's ever happened because I've Absolutely. never used a service like that prior. Mm-hmm. And now I'm so used to not going to the grocery store. I'm like, oh, why would I go to the grocery store anymore? <laughs> I know. I hate the grocery store. And, and and like I said, I was telling you earlier, I typically just shop it and we do one big shop at Costco for the month. And then we do uh, Trader Joe's. And that's typically what, you know, I do. Or or Aldi's. I go to Aldi's. But I really would rather just Instacart everything. It's so much easier. We have a, I have an event tonight that's a virtual cooking event. So I had a specific Ooh. list of ingredients and I was like, I just don't have time to go to the grocery store. So that's why I did a, a Instacart to have these specific ingredients for this event. Oh, that so sounds virtual. fun. Yeah. Oh, I love um, it. Hopefully, I'm, I'm waiting to see now, like, were they able to get everything or do I still have to run to the store mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on there? We'll see. Well, um, this has been a really fun yeah. conversation. Tara, where can people find you? So, heygirlyoucat.com is probably the best way to start because it'll have you all the links to all the other stuff. And um, if you're listening to this before January 14th, our anniversary party is that day. And we're going to have a, a room that'll run all day long. It'll be our one-year anniversary room. So you can find it by looking for Hey Girl, You Can. And it'll say, Hey Girl, You Can, one-year anniversary party. Um, and we'll have a different group of moderators hopping in about every 90 minutes. I know Julie, you're going to be Yeah, I'm that. excited. Um, the other thing that we're going to have that will kick off that day is, is two things. So one, the blog, which we talked about, but also we're going to have a Hey Girl, You Can community offers page. And so these are kind of like this your best, like Black Friday deals and specials. Mm-hmm. They'll be offered. They'll be kicking off on the anniversary and they'll only be up for a limited time. And they're offers for members of our community. So you might be able to grab a great book or, yeah. or yeah. Um, I know that all of the Hey Girl, You Can uh, master classes will be 50% off. Yay. Um, so yeah. we'll be able to grab those. So kind of like Black Friday, but for our one year anniversary. But better, I think. Yeah. So I'm excited. It'll be it'll be a fun uh, day. So if you have an offer, you're part of the community, and you want to contribute, you know, email me. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see where things you know kind of evolve. And over the next year, I mean, I think about just from this time last year to this year, and then I think, wow, I can't even imagine next year. You know? Oh, so um, fun. Yeah, and we're certainly not. You know, we're not one of the biggest. Well, we are the we're the second largest parenting club, but we're certainly not one of the largest women's clubs. Um, what I think it's been very interesting to me is while we're not the biggest, the quality of people in the community are very deeply connected to each other and loyal to themselves in the community, which is 
it's been very interesting to observe. Um, I have people who will say, I only want to do locked rooms. I don't want an open room. Mm-hmm. And their rooms are locked. You have to be a member in order to be able to have access to those rooms. And it's because they say the quality of the people and the connections that they're making and the women that they're meeting is so high that they would rather be in a quality versus quantity. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. It's been really cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we we started our room as a locked room yesterday, and then I opened it, and we still had some great quality people. Um, but you you know you have to, and this is why I'm so glad that we have the 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 ladies like Mimi teaching people how to co mod and how to be a moderator and you know manage a room as well because I think that's very important. But um, I thank you for the opportunity to, you know to be a part of the community thank for creating so the community. It's so fun. It's one of my favorite places for sure. I don't necessarily always jump up, but when I do, I love uh, you know being a part of it. Oh, well, now I've got this movie you watched this pilgrimage, and you have to keep me posted if you do this again. Well, like, I I was supposed to go and intrigued. Yeah, so I was supposed to go in uh, 2020, and of course last year I just decided I was not going to do it. But what I'm probably thinking is. Um, it's looking like either May or October of this year that I'm going to go. And I have oh, people wow. that are asking me to go. I have a couple of women who have said, hey, I know that you've done this because I kept a journal throughout it. I, I should, I'll send you the link wow. to my journal too on it because you can read. Yeah. It's, it's not as polished. So would you do the whole thing or just a half? So yeah, so no, I'm going to do from the from the halfway mark where I left off and finish it because this is the 1000th anniversary of the pilgrimage. So it's a very special time and they really have been doing a lot of um protocols to take uh, to make sure that the pilgrims are safe and really some of these towns really do rely this is their so main source wow. of income and they have been really struggling and it's it's amazing how the entire community just rallies around taking care of the pilgrims you know and and um i share a story in in one of my blogs about that day that i told you that i took the cab and how the people took care of me in that in that town when i arrived at the town they did really? my laundry. They had fed me. They, you know, it, it, it's so amazing. Beautiful. It's an amazing place. So definitely so watch the movie. How long will it take you? To do the um, well, I'm going at the at the turtle rate, so it'd probably be about two and a half to three weeks. Wow! But you have Wi-Fi and you have everything you need, and I can work from anywhere. Well, you so. walk every day for two and a half to three weeks. It goes so by like, fast was, because you're talking to people. You know what I what I love is that now there you know there's clubhouse. I can't wait because I'm gonna be able to do rooms from as I'm walking around. Yeah. (laughs) And live from Spain. So fun. Anyway, Tara, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. And for everyone who is listening, if you don't have a community to plug into, make sure that you find one. But if you have Clubhouse and you just thought, oh, I hate that app, go check out Hey Girl, You Can and make sure that you connect with Tara and uh, give her all the social currency in Facebook, Instagram, and everything else that we have in the show notes. So thank you again. And Tara, don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode.
Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only Purposeful You Mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.